Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks, and I'm joined by the 2023 to my 2024. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. Oh, Justin, it's the final round of games of 2023. How emotional does that make you feel? I am devastated. I'm devastated. You can tell with the tone of my voice that I'm just, I can't be contained. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Well, I'll tell you what, <laughs> I know what will cheer you up. But a nice old chat about some good old fashioned championship football. Fuck yeah, let's go. From the final game week of 2023. Welcome to the number one championship podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. Yes, that's right. We're going to be going through all the final games in the championship from 2023. And then we'll finish off with Simon Grace and Take for Late right at the end of the show. But before we get underway, we've got a very special episode for you tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be revealing our top 10 WTF moments in the championship from 2023. As we all know, this is a mental league at the best of times. And this year has been particularly bonkers. So why not join us to look back on the most weird and wonderful moments of the past year? Justin, I'm not sure we've ever laughed in an episode as much as we have in this one. I was nearly Incredible. sick afterwards from laughing so much. <laughs> I know, t- I, yeah, I've talked about tears just a moment ago, but those genuine tears recorded in this episode. There's so many moments that you forget about and then you talk about the detail and then you just completely lose it. Just completely lose it. And it's all in this episode. It's, uh, it was a really good one to record. Yeah, it really, really was. And we can even bring you an exclusive clip of that show right now. Every single comment is about Chancery. Please stop talking. Here's just a handful from 9 minutes, 45 seconds. Um, this has got beyond cringy now. Chancery, please stop talking. You're ruining this. We're getting relegated. <laughs> Isco looks like he's being held hostage. <laughs> He does. <laughs> <laughs> I know we berated him already in this episode, but oh god, let's be honest. Like if you are, if your press conference is being likened to a kidnap video, <laughs> your tenure, your tenure is not going to get off to a good start, nor is it going to sustain uh, consistency. And I know we can laugh about it now because Wednesday there is light at the end of the tunnel because Danny Rawl is doing a great job, but. From a neutral perspective, that genuinely was toe curling. Oh, God, I'm, I'm getting the giggles <laughs> after that. <laughs> well, that episode is out on New Year's Eve. What better way to see out the year than toasting the madness of the championship with your good old pals at the second tier. But let's have a look back at the final game week of 2023 in the championship, Justin. And we'll kick things off with Leeds United who have lost back-to-back games for the first time this season after they were beaten 1-0 away 
at West Brom. Excellent result for West Brom and we will give them their flowers shortly. But four points won from an available 15 for Leeds. And Justin, you were quick to poo-poo the idea of Leeds being in a slump after their win against Ipswich. But if we ignore that game, this form is looking pretty slumpy to me. Oh yeah, if we ignore, ignore the success, it's a terrible thing. But you are you are right, and I, perhaps I was I was haste to um, suggest they were in a slump. But you're only as good as your next game, aren't you? And Leeds sadly lost, and they weren't particularly great against West Brom. Um, and it's it's you know the, the, the games that they've drawn previously, um, they you know, winning those or, or or lost previously, winning those games gives you the opportunity to not have to, or the pressure's not on you to win. Uh, you know, away at the Hawthorns, a very difficult place to to win at, um, and, and and unfortunately they, they didn't, and they were particularly poor as well. And obviously going one 0 down, just seems like that lack of game plan for for Leeds when they are uh, when they when they go behind, it's just not it's not good enough, and it does worry me. It does worry me a lot because they've got the quality within the squad to be better than they are, and unfortunately if they come up against a deep block, they've got absolutely no answers to the questions that are posed to them. Similar thing to we to um, to what we said in our previous episode. They just lack a real punch against those sides, and you need to have a punch if you're gonna if you're gonna push uh, push for the top two. And they just they just don't. They are more of a slap at the moment. It's not it's not good enough. Mm. Dare I say, Leeds are falling apart. Um, well, the, the thing is for me, if it doesn't necessarily matter whether they got a result from going away at West Brom, they were awful against mm. West Brom completely outplayed Willie Nonto was so poor yeah. they should have sold him in the summer and that's another thing you've got to take an L on here Justin because it's impossible now to say it was the right decision to turn down 25 million for him in the summer Joel Pirro was shocking even Crescencio Somerville has really struggled recently and it seems like Leeds have been figured out this 4-2-3-1 which has been like a well-oiled machine at times has now turned into a machine which is juddering and making some concerning noises. Ultimately, they've got to change something, haven't they? Because it's clearly not working at the moment. Well, what do they change? Because I don't think they've got the players to be able to tweak, uh, not style, but certainly, or not even formation, but just tweak tweak personnel to improve things. Yeah, you, think? I, you don't I, think they've I, got I, the players? I don't think they do, because when you look at the depth that they've got, they've got a lot of quality, a lot of quality, but Dan James, Crescentio Somerville, Wilfred Nonto... There are three players there who are not similar, but they, they're all quick. They all want to be direct and they all want to attack space in behind defenders. I, I don't see a, a playmaker in the sense of like Pablo Hernandez. Um, I don't see a, a, an Emi Buendia, someone who can really punish teams when in possession in the final third uh, by picking those incisive passes, by being brave in possession. I don't see a player like that in that Leeds squad. Um, and that's a big problem. That's a big problem for Leeds and Daniel Farker because unfortunately, when you do come against these sides who are awkward to play against, you need those types of players to unlock sides. You can't rely on pace to get in behind because the pace, the space isn't there to, to exploit. Um, and like I said, I think those players are all very similar. Um, and I think bringing in a, a playmaker in, in January is absolutely imperative if Leeds are going to even make a, a tickle for the top two, let alone a, a push. A tickle. Interesting. Uh, I have seen David Brooks of Bournemouth links in the past couple of days. but Another wide player think, though. Well, he offers something a bit different, I suppose, to what the 
previous players you were mentioning there, Justin, uh, offer. But for me, I don't think they need to sign anyone. This squad is definitely talented enough to get promotion. A good manager would get this team back on track. And that's where Daniel Farker comes in and earns his money because the pressure's on him to figure this all out. Four points from 15 is the worst run of form he's had as a championship manager since September 2018. Hmm. So it's quite a rare situation for him. But this is what he's got to try and do now, get Leeds back on track and work with what he's got. And if they do sign some players in January, maybe they will, then that's a bonus. But ultimately, this squad is still very talented and shouldn't be struggling as much as it is. They have got Birmingham at home on New Year's Day. Surely, surely, Justin, <laughs> he's shaking his head with a concerned look on his face. Would be would be very leads to lose that, especially Birmingham, who don't look like the scoring at the moment, let alone winning a game. Um, so it'd be very, very, uh, very leads for them to concede a a not point not one xg <laughs> chance and uh, and end up losing the game. Yeah, I, I, th- I think I, I think you're right there. What a win <laughs> for West Brom, though. They're now only three points behind Leeds, and they are making their mark on this promotion race, aren't they? They are, they are. And it's what we expect from, from Carlos Corbett. I know there was a lot made of a lot of pundits, including ourselves, predicting them to finish 15th, but that's that's by the way. But what we do know what we're going to get from Carlos Corbett is a well-drilled, tactical masterclass almost every game. And I will say this, I will put my neck out on the line. Every win Carlos Corbran puts on the board feels like a tactical triumph because he outthinks the opposition. And you get that with every single game. He reacted to Leeds tweaking their formation in this game. Um, they keep clean sheets. They don't concede you know, good goal-scoring chances. There was at no point, as soon as West Brom went ahead, at no point did I think Leeds were going to get back into that game because West Brom just didn't allow it. They allowed the crosses from deep and Cedric Kipre and Sami Sami Jai were, were fantastic in dealing with everything that was... Um, that was put their way and that's the reason why Alex Palmer has now kept 11 clean sheets this season keeping clean sheets is a linchpin to success in the championship you keep clean sheets you've got a good chance of promotion and guess what West Brom are fifth and they look comfortable they look comfortable yeah well they've been ticking over really nicely for a while now in the last 17 games they've picked up the fourth most points in the league only one point behind Ipswich in that time they just manage games exceptionally well and a big part of that is their excellent defence. Cedric Kipre in particular has been an absolute rock at the back this season. Incredible, really, that he was just surplus to requirements last season. But this is what Carlos Corbran is doing, taking players whose best days are seemingly behind them and getting them working again. And now they've got a five-point cushion inside of the top six. They're looking very good value for a playoff place, aren't they? They are, and as I say, I think that comes down to the clean sheets because I do think they need a little bit more quality in the final third, but I don't think they're going to get it. But they take their moments. You look at you know, Grady Dean Garner, for example, and you were just mentioning that Carlos Corbran, you know, seeps out the the quality in 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 the players that you know are almost forgotten. You look at Danny Ward at Huddersfield. You got double figures out of Danny Ward for goodness' sake. So if you get double figures out of Danny Ward, you're going to turn Grady Dean Garner into a European quality le- level player. Bit of an exaggeration, but you get my point. It, it, You've got a, one of the best managers in the league here who's just so good at um, combining all the factors you need in a team that is not, well, the look's not in their favour. Um, and he gets them he gets them going. And, and, you know, and West Brom, like I said, I th- that they are they are comfortable at the moment. There's no other way of saying it. They're comfortable being uncomfortable and that's a really good place to be in the championship. Well, consistency is just so key and West Brom's so far been 
much more consistent than all the teams below them. It's not all green, green grass. Grady Diangana and Sami Ajayi will be going to the African Cup of Nations next month. Brandon Thomas Asante might be as well. We also haven't had a takeover yet, so one would suspect they're not going to be very busy in January. However, at this stage, if you showed me the final league table right now and West Brom weren't in the top six, I would be surprised because they're just much more convincing than all of the teams below them. Uh, Ipswich could only manage a goalless draw at home to QPR. I say only manage, they were lucky to get anything from this one. QPR probably the better side as the game went mm. on. Rangers also had a pretty blatant penalty for handball turned down, didn't they? I'd say two penalties. I think uh, I think it was Luke Wolfenden tripped over Elias' chair was one of them, but that Caden Jackson handball, his arm was definitely in a what, what's the what's the term? It, it, it wasn't a natural position, was it? Yes, it wasn't a natural position. It definitely hit his hand. Um, so yeah, the the officials really did drop a bollock there because it, it, for my money, QPR should have had two penalties. Yeah, QPR can count themselves very unlucky with that one. VAR would have said something about that one. Oh, yes. uh, the injuries have suddenly racked up for Ipswich. George Hurst is set to be out for a significant spell on the sidelines with a hamstring injury. Leif Davis missed this game with a calf injury. Wes Burns was ill. Harry Clark has got an Achilles problem. And then Nathan Broadhead pulled up in the warm-up for the QPR game. So the festive period really taking its toll on this Ipswich squad. They're lucky... That January is here for them to bring players in, but undoubtedly a real test of squad depth for Kieran McKenna's boys at the moment, isn't it, Justin? Well, it's just a Christmas period, I think. I think it's always made a little bit worse, but the George Hurst one is, is a big one for me because he's he's so important for knitting together that final that final third. Uh, you know, things happen uh, in the final third because of what he does. He's very unselfish, and to replace that is a very difficult thing to do. Um, uh, and I think the rest of the injuries are, are just manageable uh, scenarios because, as I say, it's a lot of games to play in a short space of time. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how McKenna deals with it over the next couple of weeks, uh, at the very least. Well, it looked like they were going to get a striker in anyway, didn't it? Whether George Hurst was fit yeah. or not. But now that he's out for a while, they definitely need to get in at least one. So that's something that you can certainly expect Ipswich to do in January. Jay Stansfield at Birmingham has been linked, which, you know what, I think I'd be a fan of. Um, probably need to get someone else in as, as well, because Dane Scarlett, who was on loan from Spurs, he's oh, yeah. he's been recalled now as well. So yeah, they need to bring players in. A bit of a good news though, friend of the show, and Ipswich captain Sam Morsey has turned down the chance to go to the African Cup of Nations with Egypt, so he can focus on Ipswich's promotion push, which... Well done. Good on you, Sam. Uh, let's go to Southampton. They made it four wins on the bounce by beating Plymouth 2-1 in a South Coast derby. 17 games unbeaten now for Saints. Who can stop them? Russell Martin, by the way, has the best win percentage of any Southampton manager since 1897, which is quite the stat, isn't it? He's only been there for a few months, mind you, so maybe he doesn't mean Matt that much, but uh, still quite impressive. There was controversy in this game, though. Plymouth's Ballymumba had a goal ruled out for offside, but replays showed he was clearly onside, Justin. Yeah, he was clearly onside. What do I need to say to this? Uh, I think the, the, the frustrating thing is um, VAR sorts that out very, very quickly. Um, but it's, it's one that the, the linesman should have seen and unfortunately you know, Plymouth don't get their rewards for what was a very um, backs-against-the-wall performance at times from, from them. So, yeah, it's frustrating. Obviously, Southampton go up the other end and, and score momentarily after. Um, yeah, it's, it's frustrating. It's the impact of that uh, that decision that um, has on the rest of the game. Is, 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 yeah, that, that's what irks me. 
Yeah, I, I know you're a big advocate for VAR and many listeners will be throwing their arms up in disgust at you even mentioning those three letters. Um, I, I know it's a very touchy subject in the Championship and people will say they don't want it. That's understandable. It is a mess in the Premier League. However, I think, and this is a big shout, Justin, this is now my stance on you know, referees VAR in the Championship. I think we should have VAR in the Championship, but only for offsides. I think okay. things like handballs, fouls, red cards, all very subjective. Offsides are offsides. A player is either offside or they're now. I, I struggle to think of many examples in the Premier League this season where there's been VAR controversy for an offside. I know there was the Luis Diaz goal yeah. in the Liverpool Spurs game, but that was a human error cock-up, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. There may be other examples that I just can't remember right now, but offside controversies seem to be pretty rare in the Premier League because of VAR. So yeah. that's what I would do. I'm not. I'm, I'm sure people will still say no, they don't want it at all, but those people will also complain about the standard of refereeing in the Championship. You can't have your cake and eat it. Something needs to be done because it's costing teams. And I think that's a pretty sensible solution for the meantime. I, I completely agree with you. I, I do. Uh, and that's a big thing because uh, I think VAR is, is, is a good thing, but I think we've jumped in with two feet um, because I've said it before, the laws are an absolute mess. And all VAR is doing is just highlight how much of a mess the, the laws actually are. And not only that, the quality of officials just aren't that great, which is why we're seeing a lot more human errors when we shouldn't be because we have this AI computer system controlling football. Um, so therefore, human errors shouldn't be a factor, but they are. Um and unfortunately, that's down to the quality of it. But I completely agree with you. You, you just throw VAR in at the objective decisions, the offside. It's offside or it isn't. And then maybe in a couple of years' time, when the rules are better, they're better understandable um, and better um, laid out, then you can then you can definitely definitely um, throw VAR into some other scenarios. Yeah. Yeah. Well. You're spot on. Uh, Southampton won't mind with the goal anyway. This result keeps them third, just three points behind Ipswich all of a sudden. Um, It's worth mentioning, by the way, we haven't really given Southampton their flowers. Even if that goal was allowed, it would have been very much against the runner play because Southampton were absolutely battering Plymouth throughout this whole contest. And then Gavin Bazunu dropped a bollock with uh, (laughs) him trying to dribble past uh, the Plymouth striker. Um, so, yeah, they definitely deserve the three points. It was pretty comfortable in the end. The Prime Minister, Rishi Sunak, was at the game for this one. He's a Southampton fan, or so he claims. Uh, he was sat down with a camera next to him who was filming him during the game, as you do when you're at the football. You never had that, Justin? Sir Rishi Sunak, a football vlogger now. Is that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so has he got the camera in his face and he's celebrating? He's there, one of those who's on, who's on YouTube filming the limbs from the away end whenever a goal goes <laughs> in and then saying, oh, it's a fucking disgrace. That kind of thing. He is bootlegger. Yeah, he's, oh God, yeah. He's, he's as far from bootlegger as he, as he is. After the game, Russell Martin was asked by Five Live about Sunak being there. And Martin said, he might have come down, but I've got no interest in saying hello, which is, oh, that is a quote. Just, Russell just Martin. Want, I just want the image of Russell Martin giving him the middle finger. <laughs> knocks just, on the dressing room door. Martin just gives him the bird and he scarpers off with his camera. He goes to shake his hand and he just ignores him, blanks him. He, shakes, he goes to shake his hand, but he, but he withdraws his hand and 
puts his fingers through his hair and oh, he goes yeah. back into the dressing room. Oh, Russ. <laughs> <laughs> he is uh, Russell Martin. This is, he is going up in my uh, estimation more and more as the weeks go by. And the final team to mention as far as the promotion race goes is, of course, the side at the very tippy top. Leicester City are now eight points clear after, being, after beating Cardiff 2-0. Brilliant goal by James Justin in this one that was a superb finish from someone you don't really expect to score those kind of goals but that was excellent promotion still looking very much nailed on for them now into I've got my nail and hammer in hand as well for the title because that's probably going to be pretty nailed on soon as well and it may be time we open up that can of worms which is the points record soon Justin but we'll wait and see on that let's take a quick break after that we'll talk about a big win for Sheffield Wednesday and Middlesbrough winning against Huddersfield Hey it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget check out Quince they've got all the good stuff shirts and polos activewear and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome back to the second tier podcast. Preston nil, Sheffield Wednesday one. Wednesday had over 5,000 supporters travel to Lancashire for this game. And despite the shocking start to the season, the chaos off the pitch, this is a club that is refusing to accept relegation. And that was shown with this brilliant performance, Justin. It's remarkable what's happening there, isn't it? No, it is. It's it's amazing what a uh, a good coach can can do and bring to a club. I mean, Wednesday have always had a good following. Wednesday supporters have, which is saying something because Transiri has done his best to turn people away from the club. Um, but I think a lot of credit obviously goes down to Danny Royal, Chris Powell, his coaching staff, um, because he's he's created resilience. He's he's created belief in 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 what is a pittance of a football club because of Transiri. The attitude and application in games is. Such a far cry um, to what it was. So it shows what having a, a good leader with a clear f- uh, philosophy can bring to a football club. Yeah, yeah. You, well, you're spot on. And what you were saying about um, the supporters, I think it's even more remarkable that Wednesday is still getting plus 20,000 each week, despite yeah. what's going on at the club and the ticket prices being absolutely outrageous there. So, yeah, it's, it, it, it's there's somehow a bit of a good feel factor around Sheffield Wednesday, despite the owner trying to piss on it as much as he can at every opportunity that he gets. They are still six points from safety, so there's still a long way to go in that regard. And Danny Rule knows if they're going to stay up, they really need to roll up their sleeves to make that happen. But yeah, what you ruin it? 
I think they're quite clever, actually. But uh, you, you can stick to your guns on that one, Justin. But yeah, there's a bit of positivity around Wednesday, isn't there? Because at no point did they look like winning five games no. from a 25 when Iska Munoz was there stinking out the place. So now they've actually got a genuinely good chance of staying up. And that's really good going from Danny Rule. Preston, of course, coming into this game off the back of a massive win over Leeds. I did say I wasn't sure that would be a corner turned after that result, considering their bad form. It is just four wins in 18 for them. And considering one of those wins is against Leeds, that's a pretty good going. An eventful evening for Johnny Housen saw Middlesbrough win 2-1 away at Huddersfield. Housen had his penalty saved late on and Middlesbrough got a corner from that save. And who scores the winner from that corner? Johnny Housen. Good stuff, Justin. Uh, talk to me about that miss by Isaiah Jones. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm giggling already. What can I say? I think the only excuse I can make for him is it looks like he's falling, but Isaiah Jones never actually falls. It looks like he's He's almost falling in slow motion, doesn't he? He's, he's, he beats his he beats his players, he beats the keeper, and all he's got to do is literally just roll the ball into the the back of the goal. It's so funny, but all the hard work is done, um, and it just looks like he gives up when it comes to shooting. He just <laughs> doesn't know the way to describe it. It just looks like he just stops and has a brain fart, and he's done. I, yeah, <laughs> such a bad miss, probably one of the worst misses you'll see. Well, I, I think to be fair to him. I think he was more off balance than he made it out to be. So he was always going to do well to actually connect with the ball. That That's, if I'm going to be kind you, to him. You just throw your body at it though, don't you? You just throw it. Well, just... Surely, surely, Justin, he can't have messed it up as bad as it appears. Surely he must have been but off balance. But he did. Balance. No, I don't, I don't think he did. <laughs> I, I think he must have been off balance. And so he was never going to connect with the ball. That's the, that's how it, that's how I think it's it's panned out but uh you know it, it didn't really matter in the end did it what what do we think of Middlesbrough right now just in they a bit of a hard side to nail down at the moment aren't they three wins from four but they had lost three on the trot prior to that they were a bit all over the place yeah Lee Johnson is foaming at the mouth at the sound of this streakiness isn't he uh, but in fairness in fairness to Borough we know what they're capable of don't we once they get going with more players available than they have now Carrick can deliver, but it's 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 probably a situation where it's game by game for them because of how bad their injury crisis has been. Uh, and look, they're just over halfway through the season. They're three points up to top six. Half of your squad is injured. Got a League Cup semi final. You'd be pretty content with that. You have a half decent January. Could propel them into the top six, but you know Carrick's got to get a handle on that consistency and. Not, not necessarily the consistency, but those games that they are losing where they do enter a losing streak, turn them into draws and you're on an unbeaten run and who knows where you can go from there. It's a very simplistic way of putting it, but it's a fine margin, I think, for Carrick and, and Middlesbrough at the moment. Yeah, well, they're a bit of a bit of an inconsistent team at the moment, aren't they? Because the Huddersfield game could have gone either way. Rotherham, they absolutely battered, but lost because of a freak yeah. goal. And then... West Brom, who we were just praising earlier on in the episode, they absolutely battered them um, not too long ago, just before Christmas. So it, it's it's really hard to figure out what's going on with this Middlesbrough team. Of course, they have been quite unlucky with injuries recently. Um, so that's one factor to take into account. Another thing with regards to their playoff chances is it'll be very interesting to see what they do in January because... Of course, in the summer just gone, they didn't spend too much money, having previously spent quite a bit of money in previous summers gone by. Um, so will they have any money to spend here? Not too sure, but we'll have to wait and see on that account. But yeah, I, I don't really know 
what Middlesbrough are at this stage. Of course, you know, Carrick is a very good manager and we will always praise him for being a very good manager, but he's uh, he's working with what he's got and that's a, that's a difficult thing. I think the best way to describe Middlesbrough is they're a good team without all the tools yet because they've got injuries. They've, they didn't have the best of summers, I don't think. Um, so once you get, you know, maybe a couple of players in January and see where you're at at that point, I think we can really start to analyse Borough, but they, they, you know what you're going to get from them. They're going to be in a good front foot attacking side and, um, and yeah, that's the credit to Michael Carrick. Uh, Michael yeah. Carrick. Well, they are only three points off the top six. So as long as they've got that in reach and uh, that's still the case when they get all the players back and they've possibly had a fruitful January, then who knows? Uh, not a great result for Huddersfield with all the teams below them picking up points. However, they were unlucky, could have easily won this one. Quite remarkable that that was the case considering they had 11 players unavailable for this. Wow. Four of their subs haven't made a single first-team appearance prior to this. They need players in January badly, don't they? Not just to improve the actual quality of the squad, but in terms of depth as well. Hall 3, Blackburn 2, a great goal by Liam Delap here. And I tell you what, Justin, he is turning into an absolute monster, isn't he? Liam, is, Liam Mazzinia has been playing him on the right wing recently and it's really brought out the best of him, particularly when it comes to running at defenders. And he's been absolutely fearless and you wouldn't have seen that last season, would you? No, I think that's the crazy thing. And, and credit to you for pointing it out that, you know, if the team's going to get the best out of him or a manager's going to get the best, best out of him, it's going to be Liam Rossini. Um But going back to his, his goal in this game, the, the touch and then the second touch and then the composure, you're spot on. He's, he's a monster. And I think any Stoke or Preston fan suggesting his career was finished only need to look at his goal in this game to, to see the bags of quality that he does possess. He's been, he's been semi-prolific this season, but his ability to... Um, to, to thrive under Rossini is fantastic. And again, you know, being able to burst past an opponent for his size is is remarkable because he's he's not small. You know, he looks like a bit of a number nine, he's a powerhouse. Um but he's got the composure and, and, and the skill set to, to really thrive and, and he's doing that at Hull and yeah, credit to Rossini for tapping into the quality because there was there was a lot of untapped quality uh, in, in Liam Delap and it's good that he's 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 getting out of it. The, the thing is in the uh, Boxing Day game um against Sunderland there was a moment in that where Liam Delap has picked up the ball in his own half, gone past four or five players and then taken it into the opposition half. It was an absolutely remarkable bit of play. But in that moment, you just saw pace and power, which and confidence, most importantly, which yeah, we confidence. just haven't seen previously. It is sort of like a rehab at Hull, isn't it, for the lack of a better term? Because Liam Rosinia takes players who had loads of potential, helps them realise that Liam Delap is the key example of that. Scott Twine, Aaron Connolly as well. It's it's great stuff. Says a lot about how good a man manager Liam Mazzinia is. And Liam Delap is the, you know, he's the shining example of that. Hull in the top six again after this result. Um, only thing I've got to say on Blackburn is if they could defend, they'd be a decent side, wouldn't they? Four losses on the bounce now. Uh, they've considered the second most goals in the league. Um, a Tom Bradshaw goal saw Millwall beat Norwich 1-0. A very strong hint of offside for that goal. Maybe if VAR was there for offsides, this wouldn't be an issue, but I digress. Back-to-back -back wins for Millwall for the first time this season. They're up to 16th. All of a sudden, Joe Edwards seemingly turning a corner with this Lions team finally. On the flip side, back-to-back -back losses for Norwich. This comes fresh off the back of Justin claiming he was right that Norwich should stick with David Wagner for the rest of the season. You've cursed the man. I have cursed the man. I apologise to David Wagner for uh, probably costing him um, 
the PR surrounding his job because I've seen a lot of Norwich fans suggesting he should be sacked once again um, despite the good run of form I, I still think that he needs to he needs to be the parachute for, for the uh, Ben Napper um, I don't think there's any point in rushing it doesn't help that his players lack discipline in this game by the way did you not see Ashley Barnes go toe to toe with about five Millwall players at one point <laughs> before being subbed off because he was mini- uh, millimetres away from being sent off so that, that doesn't particularly help matters either it certainly doesn't, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, it doesn't take much for Norwich fans to turn about turn against David Wagner, does it? And it seems like, even though he has had a decent bit of form recently, that uh, they're not going to be turned or swayed on him anytime soon, and they just want to see a change in the dugout sooner rather than later. A wonder goal from Sam Klukas helped Rotherham draw one all with Sunderland. Oh, Justin, that was a beauty, wasn't it? Chef's kiss. Mwah. And making a, an ooh face at the thought of it. It's just a, such a sweetly hit volley. I don't think you can hit a volley as, as sweet as that than, than Sam Klukas. It's one of those that's coming back out at him as well. So they're very hard to, to get up and under. Um, but he's got that quality, hasn't he? Sam Klukas, he scores wonder goals. He doesn't score shit goals. He scores beautiful goals. There's very few and far between. But yeah, so bloody, so bloody sweet. It gives me shivers thinking about it. Ooh. Ooh, uh, some of them were pretty poor here, actually. Quite fortunate to get a point. Still think there's a quite a bit of convincing McBeal has to do with the Sunderland fan base. They have been dealt a blow with defender Nald Huggins being ruled out for the season with a knee injury. He's been their first choice left back recently, so that's unfortunate for them. A 93rd minute equaliser from Liam Cullen saw Swansea snatch a draw away at Coventry 2-2. It finished. Coventry will be very disappointed to not make it three wins on the bounce here, especially after leading so late on. Just one loss in 10 now, though, for them. The most unpredictable player in the championship, Hadji Wright, scored a great goal, got an assist as well. He seems to be flourishing after being moved onto the left wing by Mark Robbins. Ellis Sims got on the score sheet too. Only the second time he's scored in a game since joining Coventry in the summer. So, uh, yeah, he needed that one. Watford, Stoke, they drew one all. Watford down to 10 of nearly the whole of the second half, so we'll be probably content with a point. Don't really have much else to say on that game. And finally, Birmingham v Bristol City ended goalless. Just 10 points from a possible 42 for Wayne Rooney as Birmingham manager. There have been reports that despite the torrid run under Rooney, the club hierarchy aren't considering a change of manager yet. <laughs> that came after reports linking Steve Cooper with the job. However, I can tell you right now that definitely will not happen. It seems like he's pretty destined to go to Crystal Palace or at least another Premier League job. Uh, quite worrying, though, that they're not even considering a change based off <laughs> 10 points from a possible 42. Anyway, now it's time for this. Hi, Simon Grayson here. Yes, it's time for Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight. So I'm going to ask Justin to name eight of a certain subject. All he's got to do is name all eight. So, for example, if I were to say, name Steve Bruce's last eight clubs, and he were to say Villa, that's one down, then Newcastle, that's another down. But if Justin were to then say Weymouth, he would lose a life. So all he needs to do is give me all eight answers without losing all of his lives. And you can get involved in the fun by sending in your Hateful Eights for either Justin and I to answer. Send them into secondtierpod at gmail.com. You could get a shout out the next time we do a Hateful Eight. Alternatively, just play along at home and let us know how many you got. This Hateful Eight is from Geomatrix. Not sure if that's his real name, but if it is, that is really bloody cool. And he says recently, you've briefly mentioned about Leicester breaking the championship points record of 106 points. So can you name the eight teams who have recorded the biggest points tallies in championship history? Any team who's done it 
more than once or any top eight more than once only counts as one answer and goal difference will be taken into account for any team's level on points to make it into the top eight so i just want the clubs justin not the year as well i'm giving you two lives on this one peachy Ooh, that is actually a really difficult one the first one that comes to mind is leicester city 13-14 season is that the first one that comes to mind I'm not I didn't think it would be but uh, oh, know, fair right, enough yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah Reading obviously uh, Leicester were third they got uh, 102 points in 2014 under Nigel Pearson uh, Reading correct they are top they managed 106 points in 2006 a record that still stands to this day that's two down Justin you got the Newcastle from the 09-10 season. Yep, you've named the top three. They feature twice in this list, though. They got 102 points in 2010 and 94 in 2017. So that's three down. They feature twice in the list. Yes, because 94, 94. Yeah, 94 was also uh, one of the biggest points tallies ever. Yeah, that. Um, uh, yeah, it's quite low in my head. Uh, I'm going to go with Wolves. The Nuno, Nuno side. Yes, of course. That Nuno team got 99 points in 2018. That is the fifth biggest points tally in championship history. You are halfway there, Justin. Four to go. Yeah, you've got to say Burnley at some point under Sean Dyche have probably done it. But actually, it was Vincent Company's boys who did it oh, yeah. last season. They got the fourth best points record of 101 points in a season. Um which all makes it all the more strange how badly they're doing this season in the Premier League. But let's leave that one there. Uh, three to go, Justin. I don't want to say a Neil Warnock side, but I might go with his 05-06 Sheffield United team. That is incorrect. That team is not in there. So you have lost a life, Justin. You've got one life remaining. One life remaining and I've got three left to guess. Three left to guess, correct. Oh, aye, aye. That is, uh, that is not ideal. Um, a Daniel Farker Norwich team has surely, surely got up there. They absolutely do. They feature twice on this list after getting 94 in 2019, getting relegated from the Prem and then topping the previous tally by getting 97. Um, so that's 97 is the sixth biggest points tally in championship history. You've got two remaining, Justin. Oh, you go. You, you're a bit flagrant with your timings, aren't you? Because you don't like to go before 2004. We'll be doing it in championship history. So yeah, since yeah, it's rebranded. Yeah, yeah. Football didn't exist before then. Yeah, football did not exist before 2004. Uh, I'll say Fulham. They did, they did break it before then. But um, I think Marco Silva's Fulham side should be up there. Unfortunately, they're not, Justin. They are not on there. So <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you how. Because... They got da, 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 90 points that season. They had, a, they had a striker who scored over 40 goals in a season. Yeah. The highest scoring team in championship history, I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying, but they only got 90 points that season. So not on the list, unfortunately. Um, I, I think I said two lives and usually we get a bit confused here, but usually that means you get, you actually have three guesses. Um, so, Does it? Well, yeah, I think so. Um, I don't think it is. That's what I intended for, anyway. Um, so you can have you can have one more if you want. Uh, I'll have one more then. Yeah, God, I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, I'll go with um, West Brom, Tony Mowbray side, surely. Don't know why I'd be bothered. That's incorrect. Um, so there you go. <laughs> the teams you were looking for: Sunderland, 
In 2005, Mick McCarthy's side picked up 94 yeah. points. And then the final team you were looking for, Leeds United. Marcello Bielsa's Leeds won 93 points, which is the same as three other points tallies from seasons gone by. But Leeds had a better goal difference than them. So there you go. Unfortunately, Justin, you've fallen foul to Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight. How does that make you feel? I'm disappointed again. Yeah, Simon Grayson's been a bit of a bastard this season, hasn't he? No, he's been a bastard all year. And you've rounded off your year with a big old L which I think is a good summary of how you've done in terms of the games and predictions for this calendar year. But there we go, ladies and gentlemen. That's been Simon Grayson's Take for Late. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. As we mentioned at the top of the show, we've got a very special episode out for you tomorrow. The top 10 WTF moments in the championship from 2023. I promise you it is a golden listen. I thoroughly encourage you to listen to that. But we look forward to seeing you then. As always, if you wouldn't mind giving us a five-star review on whichever podcast platform you listen to us on, helps us go a long way to grow as a podcast and we will greatly appreciate it. So this has been the Second Tier Podcast. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. And a big thank you for listening. Second Tier is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. 